We've looked at a lot of Bible over the last 6 to 12 weeks, and it's worth reminding ourselves what we've looked at, what we've covered. Go back to Exodus chapter 35, please. Exodus chapter 35, 35, 30. And Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord hath called by name Bezaleel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And he hath filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, and to devise curious works, to work in gold, and in silver, and in brass, and in the cutting of stones, to set them, and in carving of wood, to make any manner of cunning work. Go to Isaiah chapter 11. Bezalel is a type of Jesus. Bezalel was from the tribe of Judah. All of the greats in the Old Testament are all types of the Lord Jesus Christ, whereas all of the bad, wicked, not so good, are types of the Antichrist. Isaiah 11, Isaiah 11, look at verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his eyes. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Go back to Exodus chapter 38. So Bezalel, type of Messiah, Messiah, found very clearly in Isaiah chapter 11. And for this morning, let's continue and let's aim, Lord willing, to finish another chapter from an almost two and a half year study. Exodus 38.1 And he made the altar of burnt offering of sheet and wood. Five cubits was the length thereof, and five cubits the breadth thereof. It was four square, and three cubits the height thereof. So seven and a half feet wide, seven and a half feet long, four and a half feet wide. 7 by 7 by 4 basically. And again, sheet and wood, picturing the cross of Christ, of course. 38.2 And he made the horns thereof on the four corners of it. The horns thereof were of the same. And he overlaid it with brass. Gold, silver and brass, again, you can't improve on that. And he made all the vessels of the altar, the pots and the shovels, and the basins and the flesh hooks, and the fire pans, all the vessels... Thereof made he of brass. So it's been said that for the Old Testament, the priest was like a butcher, basically. He never sat down. He was on his feet all of the time. If you think of the Gospel of Luke, John the Baptist's father, it fell to him one day to take the uh, leadership, if you will, the course of the high priest or the priest shift for that day. He wasn't the high priest, but he was the priest of that day and he was on duty. But let's just go back a few more studies and remind ourselves as to what the tabernacle was all about if you were to look down on the tabernacle like a bird's eye view you would see to the east the altar or burnt offering that's the first thing that the priest would see basically an animal was being fried barbecued burnt if you will a picture of an unsaved sinner burning in hell forever to the south you'd see the golden lampstand a picture of the light of the world to the west the ark of the covenant the Ark of the Testaments, and I looked at Ezekiel very briefly this morning, and I found two explicit references to the tabernacle. So the tabernacle is going to be reappearing on the new earth in the third temple. To the north of the tabernacle, you would see the table of showbread. So north, 
You're going to see the table of the showbread. East, you're going to see the entrance into the courtyard, picturing the altar of burnt offering. South, golden lampstand. West, Ark of the Covenant. The tabernacle, as I said last week and over the last almost two and a half years now, the tabernacle wasn't just an object, it was also a person. 38.3 And he made all the vessels of the altar, the pots and the shovels and the basins and the flesh hooks and the fire pans, all the vessels thereof made he of brass. Brass will last indefinitely, as will gold and silver. But of course brass pictures redemption. Gold pictures deity. And uh, silver also pictures one's uh, justification, one's imputation, one's righteousness. Our standing in Christ, if you will, never our state. 38.4 And he made for the altar a brass and grate of network under the compass thereof beneath, under the midst of it, in the middle of it. And he cast four rings for the four ends of the grate of brass to be places for the staves. And he made the staves of sheet and wood and overlaid them with brass. And he put the staves into the rings on the sides of the altar to bear it withal. He made the altar hallow with boards. And he made the lava of brass and the foot of the brass of the looking glasses of the women assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Luke 8 speaks about a group of women who would sponsor the Lord, who would sustain the Lord, who would give financial support to the Lord. And here you've got women uh, 38.8, uh, looking through the looking glass like a mirror. And these women, like I say, uh, would be donating towards the upkeep of the tabernacle. God loves a cheerful giver. 38.9, and he made the court on the south side southward. The hangings of the court were fine twined linen and 100 cubits. 100 cubits, we looked at uh, recently, and I'll come back to that uh, in a moment. Their pillars were 20, and their brass and sockets 20. The hooks of the pillars and their fillets were of silver. Again, silver picturing one standing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Gold picturing deity, like Almighty God dying for our sins. And verse 11, and for the north side, the hangings were 100 cubits. Their pillars were 20, and their sockets of brass 20. The hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver. And for the west side were hangings of 50 cubits. Their pillars, ten, and their sockets, ten. The hooks of the pillars and the fillets were of silver. So from verse 9, you've got, let's see now, uh, 100 cubits, which is 150 feet long by 75 feet wide. And also, uh, like I say, silver, gold, and bronze, the highest commodities. I mean, you can't, you, you can't improve on silver, gold, and uh, brass. And for the day, the new Bibles have changed brass to bronze. Uh, 38.13. And for the east side eastward, 50 cubits. 50 cubits, 75 feet. East, south, west, north. Again, the priest walks to the east gate. You've got the perimeter fence. He comes from the east. He sees the uh, animal being burnt, like I say, picturing on the one hand an unsaved sinner. Also picturing, uh, picturing the purification of a saint when he receives the Lord's justification. Don't confuse this with purgatory, incidentally. Purgatory is a Catholic hoax like evolution, and it continues to be uh, permeated because it's lucrative. Very lucrative. And you won't find any Catholic overthrowing purgatory. It's not found in the scripture, and yet they will find three verses uh, from the New Testament to quote, to cite evolution, assume not evolution, 
purgatory and yet evolution is a hoax purgatory is a hoax and yet those three verses if you read them in their context say nothing whatsoever about purgatory 3814 the hangings of the one side of the gate were 15 cubits their pillars three and their sockets three the hangings of the one side of the gate were 15 cubits their pillars three and their sockets three 15 cubits 22 and a half feet and for the other side of the court gates on this hand and that hand were hangings of 15 cubits their pillars three and their sockets three all the hangings of the courts round about were of fine twined linen and the sockets for the pillars were of brass the hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver and the overlaying of their capitals of silver and all the pillars of the court were filleted with silver and the hanging for the gate of the court was needlework of blue and purple and scarlet incidentally scarlet is found over in revelation 17 picturing the woman on the seven hills the whore of rome of course rome is great at counterfeiting uh, biblical christianity if you've been saved for any length of time you should know by now that rome is the greatest counterfeit on the face of the earth it said how john marveled when he saw mystery babylon not pagan rome but papal rome hanging for the gates of the court was needlework of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen and 20 cubits was the length and the height and the breadth was five cubits five cubits seven and a half feet and the height and the breadth the width was five cubits answerable corresponding concerning to the hangings of the courts and their pillars were four and their sockets of brass four the hooks of silver and the overlaying of their capitals and their fillets of silver and all the pins of the tabernacle and of the court roundabout were of brass this is the sum of the tabernacle even of the tabernacle of testimony as it was counted according to the commandment of moses for the service of the levites by the hand of ithamar son to aaron the priest this book is about family honor your father and your mother and here aaron and his son are working hand in hand concerning the service of the tabernacle look at verse 22 and bezaleel the son of uri the son of her of the tribe of judah made all that the lord commanded moses josephus stated how bezaleel was miriam's grandson her was the husband of miriam miriam was sister to moses this is a book about family and it this morning i watched the news and i heard some sneering socialists enjoying uh reporting about the prime minister's love child which is to be born this summer and we've been watching uh the antics of the prime minister for several months now and of course you know perfectly well that had he been married to a man or had we had a lesbian premier living with her lover and a child was miraculously conceived how the media would have been all over themselves to congratulate wife and wife husband and husband going back to the former leader in scotland who gave birth to a child a few months ago but because he is a white protestant male not christian not saved but protestant goes to church as and when and because his lover is a white middle-class protestant although i think she's a buddhist by religion but she'd probably baptize a protestant in this country we have around 28 million anglicans because they're both white middle-class uh, heterosexuals the media think nothing of sneering and mocking uh, concerning their love child, which we born in the summer, and how they got engaged 
late last year. But the point is, this book is about family. Honour, father and mother, and here, Bezalel, 22, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, would be grandson to Miriam, which means he is related to Moses, which means Moses was his great-uncle, of the tribe of Judah, type of Messiah, made all that the Lord commanded Moses. Nothing was added to Scripture, nothing was subtracted from Scripture. We spent many a week looking at the book of Exodus and some cross-references to remind ourselves that when the Lord tells you to do something, you do what he tells you to do. And here, two remarkable men, Bezalel and Aholiab, worked hand-in-hand to build a physical tabernacle, which, like I say, is going to return, Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel 41, on the new earth. 38.23 And with him was Aholiab, son of Ahishamach of the tribe of Dan, an engraver, and a cunning workman, and an embroider in blue, and in purple, and in scarlet, and fine linen. Wonderful colours. If you go to the Far East, or the Middle East to be more precise, you will find in outdoor markets good quality linen. And some of this linen is also mentioned in Song of Solomon. And if you think of uh, Lydia, Book of Acts, she was also uh, a female tailor, if I can use that expression. And she was very close to the apostles, and she was a big part of their ministry. 38.24 All the gold that was occupied for the work, and all the work of the holy place, even the gold of the offering, was twenty and nine talents, and seven hundred and thirty shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary. So twenty-nine talents, seven hundred and thirty shekels, is almost fifty thousand ounces, Roughly, uh, by today's money, is around £26 million, £32 million, a lot of money. Uh, 38.25, and the silver of them that were numbered of the congregation was an hundred talents, and a thousand seven hundred and threescore and fifteen shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary, a becker for every man, that is half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. For every one that went to be numbered, from twenty years old and upward, for six hundred thousand and three thousand five hundred and fifty men. If you go back to Mrs. Pankhurst, very briefly, turn of the last century, she was adamant that the women would get the votes. She almost gave her life uh, for women to get the vote. But it's worth reminding ourselves very quickly and very briefly that the purpose of women's rights votes for women, only concerned middle-class women, not working-class women, and on top of that, other undesirables, deplorables, as Hillary Clinton called them, weren't allowed to vote. The vote was only for middle-class women. And after World War I, the British government caved, and of course gave the vote to women. But the point is this, this tax, going back to the census, was only payable for men. The men carried the burden and one of the reasons why not all women, incidentally, wanted to get the vote during and before, or before and after World War I was because part of the uh, suggestion at the time was that if women wanted to vote, they would have to fight overseas in the army. And women said, no, we don't want to fight. We want to vote, but we don't want to fight. And some of the uh, opponents to women's rights and votes for women said, well, you want to uh, vote? You can fight with your fellow man. Equal, aren't you? Aren't you equal? And of course, a lot of women said, no, we don't want to fight. That's for men. That's men's work, you see. And yet again, look at 
a female firefighter. I've used this many times over the years, but I'll mention it very briefly. She's five foot and there's a fire. It's three o'clock in the morning. She jumps into the fire engine with her big burly male counterparts, colleagues. They race to the house. Third floor, there's a fire. Family of five are trapped. Don't tell me she's going to go up that ladder and bring that family of five down. Of course she can't. But she's still paid the same as her male colleagues. They wouldn't dare pay her less. The ladder goes up. At best, she can hold it. At best. Of course, it's all electric, you understand. And her, her male colleagues run up the ladder. Five foot ten, five eleven, six foot, six foot one. And they do the heavy lifting. Over the shoulder. Yep, over the shoulder. Down the ladder. Whereas Miss Firefighter, five foot tall, is at the bottom of the ladder, painting her nails. No, I shouldn't say that. But you see my point, don't you? It's a farce. And votes for women... Yes, it went through, and fair enough, I'm not against that, but it was a good point at the time. If you want to vote, you can have the vote, but if you vote, you will have to fight with your male brothers, your male colleagues overseas, and of course, you know, by the end of World War I, Britain lost around a million men overseas, but the women were spared the fighting. 38.25 again, and the silver of them that were numbered of the congregation was an hundred talents, and a thousand seven hundred and three score and fifteen shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. This was a tax for the temple, a tax for the tabernacle. Don't think this is in reference to purgatory. Father, say a prayer for my late relative. He or she's been dead 15, 20, 25 years. Surely he or she must be out of purgatory by now. I've had so many stories over the years of ignorant, ignorant Catholics giving lots of money to their parish priests to say masses for dead relatives. And after many, many years, still no news as to whether or not relative A or relative B has been released. This is in reference to a tax. At best, today, we could say income tax. Not in reference to atoning for the sins of the people. 27. And of the hundred talents of silver were cast the sockets of the sanctuary and the sockets of the veil. And hundred sockets of the hundred talents, a talent for a socket. So the silver came from the tax collected from each men, not women. Women were ex uh, excluded from this, exonerated from it. On top of that, you've got 603,550 men who were over the age of 20. 20 and upwards in the UK. If you want to join the British Army, you can be 16. I think it's one of the youngest ages around the world. And yet most countries around the world are uh, of the view how their people should serve in the armed forces. Israel has a mandatory call-up. Greece, Turkey, Singapore, and uh, any other countries I've missed? They're the main countries which will uh, force their people to sign up for national service. Russia. Russia. I think we should do it here. I would say to the Prime Minister, uh, before his term finishes, bring back national service, Prime Minister. It'd be good for... 16, 17, 18-year-olds who aren't working, who aren't in college, who aren't doing anything, character building uh, to pull their weights. But again, you've got over 603,000 men, not women. These men are paying a uh, census tax, not concerning their uh, everlasting salvation. And for the Catholics to quote this for purgatory is a Mickey Mouse asegesis. And it's tragic, isn't it? If you sit down with Catholics especially this time of the year when they all come together to celebrate Easter. And they will give you four or five verses, like I say, from the Word of God to show you that purgatory is 
real. One of their favorites is over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But it's laughable. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it speaks about one's works at the judgment seat, not one's salvation at the great white throne judgment. And Matthew chapter 5 gets quoted about uh, bringing an offering to the altar. And if you don't, there'll be uh, consequences. And of course, Matthew chapter 5 in the context was the temple of Herod and in type a pitch of the millennial reign. But your average Catholic isn't able to rightly divide the word of truth, of course. 38, 28. And of the thousand, seven hundred, seventy and five shekels, he made hooks for the pillars and overlaid their capitals and filleted them. And the brass of the offering was seventy talents and two thousand and four hundred shekels. And therewith he made the sockets to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the brass and altar, and the brass and grate for it, and all the vessels of the altar, and the sockets of the court roundabouts, and the sockets of the court gate, and all the pins of the tabernacle, and all the pins of the court roundabouts. I guess if we were to try and draw uh, a parallel to this, this would be a crude attempt to do so, but we could suggest this, that it's like a corporate, uh, if you will. In the UK, we have a, a uh, business, it's a department store, and they allow their people to basically own shares in the company. That allows them to have a say over the daily running of the company. But here the people are all pulling together. And again, the silver, which came from the tax collected, uh, was 141,000 ounces. Roughly by today, let's see now, around 10 million pounds, around 15 million dollars, around seven or eight million euros. My figures may be slightly out, but the ounces are correct. I checked it, 141,000 ounces. So the tabernacle, like I say, was priceless. The tabernacle would be removed before Nebuchadnezzar arrived. It will return during the thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. The tabernacle was an object, obviously, but it was also a picture of a person. And here, the children of Israel are all pulling together to allow uh, Bezalel and Aholiab to build the tabernacle. The church today all have different gifts. My gift is to preach, teach, edify, evangelize. Your preach may, uh, excuse me, your gift, your gift may be to pray, fast, and intercede. Uh, your gift may be to uh, street preach and do nothing else. A lot of good street preachers, a lot of good evangelists around the world, and yet most of those evangelists are not good at exposing, excuse me, at expositing the scripture. They can't exposit the scripture. It's just how it is. A lot of your expositors are very good at expositing the scripture, but they can't street preach. They can't inter, uh, interact with unsaved people. We have different gifts, different callings. If you are a jack of all trades, praise the Lord for that. But most people are not. Most people uh, are able to work behind the scenes, allowing ministries like this to really get a lot of work done. So we all have different gifts and calling. And that's why it's interesting how these two characters uh, from 22 and 23 are named uh, time after time. We're able to do great things uh, concerning the physical uh, building of the tabernacle. But you've got women uh, also in uh, reference to verse 8. Not named, of course. And they are supporting the heavy lifting, if you will, of the tabernacle. And I gave you Luke 8 concerning the women that 
supported Jesus Christ financially. Lydia supported the Apostle Paul financially. Many people in the New Testament uh, stepped forward and provided uh, for the Apostles. If they hadn't stepped forward to provide for the Apostles or the Lord Jesus Christ, such ministries wouldn't have been possible. So basically, we all pull together, we all work together uh, to do what we can for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. The census tax, again, only concerned men, not women, and they were uh, only eligible to pay this tax, uh, a temple tax, a tabernacle tax, once they turned the age of 20, 20 and up. Women were exonerated from the tax. Women weren't expected to fight also during Israel's time on the earth. And yet for today, like I say, you've got a female firefighter or a female police officer unarmed on the streets of the UK. And when an incident kicks off, what's she going to do? What can she do realistically? It's different if you are a doctor or a nurse or doing something more safe, I suppose, if you can use that term. But if you're on the street, if you are in the thick of it, you are a liability. Let's be quite honest. Uh, verse 14, we had uh, 15 cubits, which I don't think I gave you the equivalent for the day, would be 22 and a half feet long. But again, if you look at the tabernacle from a bird's eye view, the priest would enter through the east gate. He sees the altar burnt offering. He sees the bronze lava to his left, to the south. He sees the golden lampstand. As he continues to walk uh, into the courtyard, he's got the altar of incense. He's got the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is on the west. To the north is a table of showbread. Bread. Jesus Christ is a bread of life. Every Sunday we break bread. We do so in commemoration of what Christ did for us. It doesn't save us. It doesn't keep us saved. It plays no part in our justification. It makes us no more exonerated or saved. But we break bread to commemorate what Christ did for us. And sometimes people criticize the belief of a thousand year reign because the animals are going, to, are going to be sacrificed again and a lot of people don't like the idea of that i'm not particularly keen on that but that's what the scripture says and for one thousand years animals are going to be sacrificed on the new earth not to cover the sins of the people but to commemorate what the lamb of god did back on the cross 30 a.d this book is basically a circle have you noticed that this book is basically a circle starts with the tabernacle temple church temple is destroyed tabernacle is removed the church comes along the church is raptured back to the temple back to the tabernacle testimony tabernacle temple tabernacle church it's a circle this book is a circle you read exodus uh in line with ezekiel you read ezekiel in harmony with exodus it's the same thing the high priest returns in ezekiel sacrifices return in ezekiel most of ezekiel from 37 to 48 still to happen it's a it's it's a uh, a midrash it's a return to what we've been looking at over the last two and a half years moses aaron exodus david and son ezekiel ahishamak and uh, bezalel exodus the prince and his son ezekiel this book is circular you can't get on top of this book. I've been on this for nearly two and a half years now. Do I understand this? No, not at all. I've got no idea what I'm reading really this morning. I mean, I've got some idea, obviously, but I don't really understand it. I can't really comprehend what we are reading because this is a Jewish book. And even Jews, and I can think of two Jewish saved preachers, both Israeli, Jewish, uh, even they, when they hit these passages, 
don't really understand the depth of the tabernacle because a tabernacle again is a person it's an object it's an object it's a person it's priceless picturing christ it is raptured picturing the church the church is priceless spotless without blemish the church returns with messiah uh, revelation 19 the tabernacle returns with messiah ezekiel 36 ezekiel 41 this book will just blow your mind if you have an open heart if you have the will to learn if you are humble if you love the lord god if you will take the time to study this book you will learn so much about it so exodus 38 um again this is basically a repeat from chapter 27 and also chapter 30 and chapter yeah it's basically a repeat from 27 and 26 and also chapter 30 if you think of the gospels basically the gospels are four accounts of a man's life if you think of revelation four descriptions of the end of time written by one man so exodus is a repeat a reiteration of the same story if you will but you're getting the same accounts uh, from probably two or three different angles repeating the main theme which again is found in matthew mark luke and john four gospels written by four men concerning the life death and resurrection of one man and i think uh, for this morning by the grace of god we finished chapter 38 uh, i will say this one last time and i mentioned this last sunday in the previous couple of sundays how the commentaries are silent on chapters such as this because the heavy lifting has been done basically chapter 38 uh, is a repeat from chapter 27 and we looked at 27 probably 12 weeks ago i guess so there's not much more to add but i wanted to show you how uh, bezalel is a type of the messiah how bezalel is miriam's grandson if josephus was correct moses would be his great uncle family affair messiah would pick him two groups of brothers perhaps three groups of brothers and john the baptist was jesus christ's cousin john the son of zebedee was jesus christ's cousin honor thy father and mother you can't get around it can you this family this book is about a family this book is about the family of families and genesis not genesis uh, galatians 3 says if you are born again and only if you are born again are you a son daughter of god only through the new birth are you put into god's family outside of that you are illegitimate a bastard according to hebrews lost in this world without hope without god but if you are born again you are in the family of god and you are spiritual israel for here and now but one day physical israel will turn to the lord and like i've said over the last several weeks now they will return in glory to rule and reign with their messiah on the new earth whereas the church will be a new jerusalem which comes down from the third heaven hovers over the new earth and the tabernacle is back in business the temple is back in business and the church is ruling and reigning alongside redeemed israel tabernacle and also the temple just a quick footnote from 38 29 38 29 uh, the amount of bronze that the uh, people would bring to aholiab bezalel the amount of brass they would bring uh, to the tabernacle was 5,000 310 pounds of brass so again they gave far more than was necessary and they gave generously because they loved jehovah they loved the uh, tabernacle 
which like I've been saying for the last 35 minutes or so, which became the uh, temple. And for today, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So 38, 29, or the church is the temple of the Holy Ghost. 38, 29, you've got 5,310 pounds of brass. Absolutely remarkable. Priceless. And by today's uh, estimation, roughly $32 million concerning the gold and the silver, if you add it all up, roughly $15 million. Incredible. Absolutely incredible.